Blog Talk Radio. Marty Oakley of the PPJ Gazette Online. This is the TS Radio Network. Our show tonight is Whistleblowers, and it's brought to you in coordination with Marcel Reed and the Whistleblower Summit, an annual event in Washington, D.C., this year from July 29th through 31st, and it will be online video again because of this faked-up virus. Hopefully things will be back to normal next year, but considering how crazy the country's gone, I don't think so. But anyway... Uh, with that said, tonight is one of my most favorite people in the world is our guest, and that's Sheila White. And I met her here two two years ago, maybe three, at the summit. And uh, you talk about dynamite coming in small packages. She is a force to be reckoned with. And uh, immediately she achieved best friend status. She's just one of those people you want to know her. And um, so I'm proud, proud to call her my friend. And if you're not familiar with her story, I'm going to bring Sheila on and have her give you some background on what happened to her, what she went through. Some of it's so outrageous, you cannot believe it. But she kept track of everything. And then she fought them, Burlington Northern Santa Fe Railroad, all the way to the Supreme Court and beat their butts. Anyway, with that said, please help me welcome my guest, Sheila White. Sheila, how you doing? Doing fine, and thank you for having me. And also, oh, I would like to thank the audience for listening. Yes, we we have a good audience here also. Sheila, for people that might not be familiar with your story, can you give them some background about where you were, what you were doing, and what had transpired while you were there? Yes. Okay, I start over again. My name is Sheila White, and I'm from Memphis, Tennessee. And my uh, employer during that time was Burlington Northern Santa Fe Railroad here in Memphis. And what I experienced, I wish that on nobody. Uh, I got hired June the 22nd, 1997, and I was a forklift operator in the maintenance away department. I was the only female but the very first day I reported to work, it was five men, and I was the only woman. So we all introduced ourselves, and uh, the foreman introduced himself. And when we got through with introducing ourselves, my foreman said out loud, Hey, Sheila, when you come on your period, let us know so we can make your job lighter. All the men's no, eyes I- flew open. And they were in disbelief, and I was in shock because I was saying, he does, He just learned my name, and he do not know anything about me, so what kind of man is this? So yes. I was on probation for 90 days. 
So each day, the men were saying that I needed to find another job because the railroad wasn't a place for a lady. I know what discrimination is and retaliation in the workplace is all about. I experienced that each day I went to work. But the only way I survived that, on the way to work, I said a prayer, and I put on Mahalia Jackson. She helped me through the day because I remember the songs that I played on the way to work. And each day there was, um, we had like a racial problem going on. So the white males didn't want me out there, period. So they thought that when they hired me, I would only work where I quit to say that they had hired a woman on the railroad in that department. But it didn't work. I continued to go to work. I wasn't late or anything. So it had gotten so bad that my super, my foreman, uh, one night we had a train to rear. I mean, you have to go out at night, whatever they call you, three, four, five, whatever time it is in the morning. So I all, I'm always the first on the job. The simple reason, I don't want them to say I'm late and I was the only female because I had started having problems right then and there. So... Uh, I went out on a derailment, and my former came in, and there was like a, maybe about 15 men around us late at night with flashlights. And my former said, hey, Sheila, shine a flashlight on me so I could see why I pee. And all the men turned their back and walked away because they didn't want to be involved in it because they knew that was a no-no. It had gotten oh, wow. so bad when I was working in the yard on the forklift, the men were complaining, saying that they felt I shouldn't have had that job because I was the bottom seniority on the list when they had men being there 10, 20, 30 years. So, but I was the only one that was qualified to drive the forklift because I had license certificates. They didn't. And they said they needed someone to drive the forklift while the others go out in the field and work so I can unload the semi-tractor-trailer trucks. That was my job, to unload semi-equipment for each department uh, on the railroad. So I was busy all day, but it was just a lot of grumbling and then I saw the name star calling with my roadmaster. Okay, I got a supervisor. I got a roadmaster. I got three head people I have to answer to. So every morning when I go in, the roadmaster calls the road to make sure everybody's clear. But when he got to my name, he called me Gal. He never called me by my name. And so I oh, just wow. politely told him that I had a name. My name is Sheila White, and if he could not call my name, when he got to me, I'd just raise my hand. So he wasn't satisfied for, with that. For one thing, my road my roadmaster was working in Louisiana. They brought him all the way to Memphis to try to get rid of me because they were saying nobody couldn't handle me. And so oh. I just... Did my job. 
didn't have any complaints except the ones that was complaining they didn't want me out there, period. And so when we have safety meetings, uh, my roadmaster will also gal, but I didn't respond at all. And then the words start slinging, coming at the nigga need to quit. I went through a lot out there. I ignored oh all that. Why? I was on probation, and the very first day taught me to start documenting everybody who was around me, what the weather was like, what the weather was like, and uh, the locations where I was. I had a journal for every day I was there and what was said and who was around me. So he started calling me saying, you need to work out of town. Go to another town to work, and you got traveling time. That was a setup. What they did that they were trying to make other road masters fire me, but they couldn't because I did everything they asked me to do. And I was there you go. turned down, and I was turned down in restrooms where I couldn't wash my hands or use the restrooms. That's what I'm saying. I went through a lot of discrimination uh, working in the field on the railroad because they took my job from me when I was a forklift driver because I complained of sexual harassment, which is so hard to fight. My role, my supervisor, my foreman, Every single day would say, Sheila, how about what you think about black and white going to bed together? This was every day, and it was driving me crazy. But it wasn't anything I could do because I wanted that job because it paid good. And I had two in college away from home and one at home getting ready to graduate from high school. So the pay was great. The benefits was great. So I was going to hang on in there. And so every day, and then he said, but well, they want me to fire you. I'm just going to tell you straight out. They want me to fire you because they don't want you out here or anything. And so he said, how about us going to lunch? He said, if you have no problem black and whites going to bed, he said, we might need to talk about that. I said, don't talk to me about that. You know that's wrong. You know, I didn't complain or anything because I was on probation. But I said, once I made my probation, I would take care of my business. And I went to the office when I made my 90 days, and I made a complaint against him on the sexual harassment because he would rub up against me, walk real close. It was plenty of things she was doing, and the men saw this, but they were afraid to speak out until they called the meeting, I believe from Fort Worth, Texas, all the way from Chicago, out there was, came to Memphis to hear what Sheila White had to say on oh, wow. the complaint. They did an investigation. They found that he was guilty and that they were same day, both of us had to report up there. They told me after they talked to him that he, they were going to give him a 10-day suspension for harassment. And he had to go to class. Mm-hmm. And they told me that I would no longer drive a forklift 
I will have to work on the railroad tracks with the men. So I went to EEOC the next day. So they sent me to Blavel, Arkansas to work. None of the men didn't want me to work with them. They drove off and left me standing on a lot with nowhere to go or anything. They set me up where they called the foreman here in Memphis and told them that I was I I didn't get in the truck with the men. They suspended me. And after they suspended me, they had to bring me right back to work with pay because the men had to testify, and uh, uh, half of them told the truth and some of them didn't. But the truth overwhelmed the ones that didn't vouch for me. So from that day on, like I said, that I traveled up and down from Birmingham to Missouri, St. Louis, Kentucky. That was my job to travel up and down the road. So I kept my, excuse me, and and so um, it led up to where they kept on suspending me. I got suspended like two or three times for no calls. And when they write me up, there would be chuck up charges where mm-hmm. they uh, I would have to sign this note. And at the bottom of each note that they would charge me with uh, complaining about me, I would write uh, under protest. I always kept a Good for you. red pen on me. And I always wrote that on there. So uh, that led, and uh, like I said, I was suspended about two years, and that led from the suspensions to me filing another charge on them for discrimination and retaliation. EOC, I did file those three charges with EOC. They had to investigate, and they found out the company was playing games with them and found out that what I was saying, what I have gone through, was the truth. So I got an attorney and my case. But I did leave out something. Let me go back. When we had safety meetings, it would be like 100 men in there plus me would make 101. And my Mm -hmm. roadmaster would stand up in front of the crowd and we were building on some uh, a new building. On the, I worked in the maintenance away department, so they were rebuilding it, remodeling it. So he said out loud, "Oh, by the way, Sheila, we're not gonna build a females' restroom. We will get you a potty, any color you want." And that made me very upset, but I had mine. I had protection with EOC, and I had protection with the union. And I told my roadmaster, master roadmaster, that's unfair what you just said. And I said, when Miss, I forgot his last name. When your wife come on the premises and need to use the bathroom when she visits, I ask her what color a porta pot we I need to get, so she will be able to use them also. And the men just fell out; they could not stop laughing. They didn't think that was in me. 
They used to call me the two-house lawyer around with a book in my pocket. And at lunchtime, I'm always documenting. But they didn't know what I was doing. They didn't know. Right. So my, uh, like I said, that uh, my case went from, let me see. My case went from, uh, when we when we filed, my attorney and us, when we filed, we went, I had a trial in the district court. And the district court lasted about a week, my trial. But I had no peers, none, not a one. And we went through three jury pools. So I felt real bad, and I felt that it was a setup for me to have executive secretaries and executive pallets on my jury pool and one babysitter. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe, believe, if I'm not mistaken, I believe I had just two blacks, a woman and a man, and the rest were white. So... uh, Uh I did my, uh, what's so sad about it, my foreman got up on the witness stand and told the truth. Jury did oh, wow. look at it like that. They gave me retaliation, discrimination, and stroke, sexual harassment, and the reason was why, because he went to class. And when he came, when he came back to work from class, they put me right back up under him. Oh, That's wow. what made me find my third charge, because you cannot do that. And they right. shipped him out of town to work, and they shipped me out of town to work. They cut off my job and laid me off and told me I had to find a place to work in another town, so I went to Birmingham. So they dropped my job title, and when I went to Birmingham, they brought back my job and hired five men in the same position I was in. So that's what made it uh, discrimination <laughs> and retaliation. Yeah. So, Holy like cow. I said, I went. Yeah, I went through district court. It took me nine and a half years to fight Burlington. Nine and a half years. Wow. And I went from district court. It got stuck in appeal courts, and then it made its way to Supreme Court. And I won the Supreme Court on retaliation and discrimination. But my charge was sexual harassment. And like I said, they didn't give Mm -hmm. that to me because they said he went to class. Oh, well, that made it all right. They only gave me, yes, they gave me retaliation and uh, discrimination in the workplace. And I helped change the laws and revive the laws in the United States. But I have learned, yeah. I've talked to many, that it is so hard for uh, different nationalities to uh, file for any kind of charge, especially some uh, sexual harassment in the workplace. So it's mm-hmm. hard to fight sexual harassment. But... Um, it's wide open, and you hear it every day over the news. Yes, yes. Stuff. So it, it, yeah. it, it's, it's sad because 
is sad to me personally because if all the women were to come together, not go outside the box, and we all get together and fight, keep these charges coming, maybe they'll realize that it is a problem with sexual harassment in the workplace. But if you can, uh, you can pay under the table to keep your mouth shut, that's not helping the situation, just paying you off for that. We need to all come right. together as a whole and matter. And then um, yep. it, it's just a serious problem. All of it is a serious problem. It, it was retaliation. I opened the floodgate of retaliation. And the floodgates yeah. are wide open. You was hearing all over the news that people were filing retaliation. Now it's sexual harassment. But yeah. no, nobody knows who I am, mm-hmm. you know, my case or anything. And they don't realize that I the one helped change the laws in the workplace, uh-huh. inside and outside the workplace. Right. Well, you know, so, Sheila, uh, you know, you talk about sexual harassment, and it has gone on forever and continues to this day. But yes. I think one of the things uh, many of us women of a certain age have come to realize that as long as it's men doing it and not the ones being done, um, there's always an excuse made. There's always a cover-up. Money will buy it off. Oh, yeah, they did it, and we slapped them on the hand and walk away. But I don't know what happens to men when they get in a position of authority, but immediately the brain drops behind their their zipper. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know what that's about. I don't know why that happens, but it does all the time. And almost a an attitude of they're owed this or they have a right to it to be able to do this because look who they are. But if, if women do it, I mean, and it, as an example, I'm going to use like uh, teachers who molest their students. You mm-hmm. know, this goes on all the time and they'll, you know, there'll mm-hmm. be a little blurb about it here and there, but you don't hear much. But you let a female teacher go after one of her students and my God, it's ad nauseum. You'll hear it on every news yes. broadcast. It'll be in every newspaper and everything else. And they make this distinct difference. And I think the message they're trying to give the public, if men do it, that's understandable. And these women, you know, they were probably at fault anyway. But if women do it, mm-hmm. that's that woman who's, you know, she's she's a terrible they're, person. we got to put her in prison. That's right. You know. That's right. And uh, that's right. Their name but is I wanna, dragged through the mud. Yes. Yep. And but when you hear it about men like, you know, governors or representatives, senators or whomever, it's like, yawn again. And uh, it just basically goes away. Um, They never seem to see jail time or pay any fines or, you know, anything. But, boy, you let a female do it. Although I don't know why any woman would want to sink to that level and be like a man, but they do. And uh, there is just such a disparity in this that really irks me at my core, aside from the actual yeah. issue at point. But, you know, when you talked about how you were treated, how this these uh, supervisors, foremans, whatever they were, spoke to you, the refusal to call you by your name, uh, referring to your time of the month, and that kind of, this mm-hmm. is so, uh, 
disrespectful at such a low level. Um, it, it is, I don't, and then when you, that episode where the guy asked you to hold the flashlight while he peed, I'd have beat that man to death with that flashlight. And um, he wouldn't have had to worry about how where his pee went. And it just, when you were in court, these things came up, I'm sure, right? Yes, yes, they did. It came well, up and well, nothing was yes. Nothing was said. Nothing was nothing was said except he went to class for all of this, and that wasn't right. That wasn't fair no. to me, and uh, because no. he went to class, I know I didn't see well, any paperwork on him going to class. Well, even if he did, he knew before he went to that class that what he was doing or saying was wrong. He knew it. They didn't have right. to send him to a class. That's one of those CYA things, cover your behind. Uh, look, you know, we made him go to classes, and I bet he slept through them or laughed through them or something, but, you know, he didn't take anything away from them because whatever they were telling him in those so-called classes, he already knew. He just didn't think it applied to him, and they just validated right. it doesn't apply to him. You know, so, you know, Why? she's just probably complaining. She just, you know, you know how women are. I get so tired of yes. that, Sheila. I could just blow chunks. But so I you get all the way to the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You get all the way to the Supreme Court and you win. And I think I told you when you first told me about this, the attorneys for the other side, you know darn well they thought they had this a slam dunk. They thought because now if it had been the other way around, they'd have been cheering because we got got her, you know. You know they thought nobody was going to, even at the Supreme Court, was going to take this seriously or believe you. And mm-hmm. I would have given anything to have been there when that decision came down just to see yes, their ma'am. reaction. Did you ever yes, have ma'am. any contact with them? After this was over, no, ma'am, I didn't. But I, did my, I was there at Supreme Court, and they okay. had six lawyers to my two lawyers, so they came very heavy and deep because right they don't lose cases in Supreme Court. They very rarely lose cases, so they right. just knew that uh, that you know that. They could beat this because yes. my attorneys asked for their attorney fees and everything, and they had to pay out money. And everybody, Marty, everybody were calling me, sending me stuff, telling me, oh, you you can't beat them. They got money. You don't know how many yeah. times on that job, away from that job, people told me nobody can beat a big industrial company because they got the power and the money to spend. Yes. And that's what they yes. thought, you know, and they sent six <laughs> big profile lawyers to Supreme mm-hmm. Court. Yes. So <clears throat> my father told me before he passed, he said, you know what? The What matters is not the money. What matters is you won when everybody yes. told you that you couldn't beat them. Yeah, and that yep. have stuck with me. Yes. Yep. 
because yep, I went sometimes a lot. Yes, you did, and I, uh, you know, I hear talk from people all the time about whistleblowers, and well, yeah, they did the right thing, but you know, they only did it for the money. I don't know any whistleblowers that got any money. The attorneys ate it up. Um, he yes. was ordered to be paid, you know, uh, but they didn't come away with anything other than their pride and um, and just knowing that they won. But, you know, this that's the whole thing. This comes at great expense. It's, mm-hmm. you know, Sheila, it would have been easy for you to just leave the job and slink off somewhere and go be a waitress or so. You know what I'm saying? Just avoid right. all of Find this. another job. But, right, right. Yeah. But standing up and knowing you were qualified for that job and you were doing your job and you were being treated this way, did the people you work with, the crew members, did they ever say anything to support you or anything? Well, Marky, I'm going to be honest with you. Majority of all the white males wanted me from there. And then it's the black ones that was out there. They had been out there like 30 and 35 years, so they didn't want to lose their job. They never made money like that, and they didn't want right. to speak up. They were afraid. You know why? Because I was speaking for them as well as uh-huh. I was defending myself, and they yes. were afraid, and I had like about four. They were silent, but they kept me one step ahead of what was wow. being said, you know, whatever, to you know, to look out because they would put me on jobs I wasn't trained on, and they would be working by me. And I let them know. I said, I'm not doing that job because I haven't been trained on that job, and I'm not going to kill myself. So I was speaking on their behalf and me, even though I took the – whatever, suspension, they'd send me home because yeah. I refused to do a job, but they had to bring me right back to work. I went through this from 1997 to 2005 where I told myself, oh my I told myself that, okay, Sheila, you have done all you can do. I said, I'm going, my doctor told me, you're beginning to have some health issues. So, I, she took me out on medical leave, and I left mm-hmm. the railroad on medical. And I said, they did not fire me. I quit, not quit, but I came out on my own. I didn't have uh-huh. to wait for them to fire me, you know. So I felt good yeah. me walking away myself without the fire me because I didn't know what day was going to be what because they might say, hey, go home. You not you don't have yeah. this on right or something. Like mm-hmm. I said, I didn't know what. And then up and down the state lines, I didn't know that discrimination was that bad until I worked out there in those fields where I've had railroad supervisors. We would go to lunch. They said, uh, do you mind me sitting by you? I have gone to oh, wow. Burger King where they all got up. When we walked in, they all got up and left. Oh, you're kidding. So, oh, yes. I got kicked out the store because I asked them could I use the facilities to wash my hands 
because the law is there. Whatever you sell food, hot food, wash uh-huh. your hands. They told yes. me in Arkansas to get out of there. They put me out. And when really? they put me out, everybody that was in line, they laid down what they had and came out behind me. Oh, wow. So, yes. So uh, I did call Arkansas uh, State Attorney, and he said I should have called them right then and there when that was happening. Wow. So, I, like I said, wow. I have been, through, been shut in and shut out. <laughs> yes, Yeah. Ma'am. I, I don't, don't know if I could have persevered. Anybody. Yeah, like I say, I don't know if I could have persevered, Sheila, uh, especially as long as it went on. And um, uh, this this win at the Supreme Court is such a monumental thing because, uh, as some of the people around you are telling you, you normally cannot fight these big businesses. They've got they can outman you, they can outmoney you. They can outlie anybody, and they do. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. usually they've got their hooks in, you know, where they're buying somebody off or, you know, they're making big, right. gigantic donations to their campaign, to, you know, whatever. Right. And so the idea, you had to have had a, a, a very solid, solid case in front of the Supreme Court in order in order to prevail there. And like I say, I think it would have been priceless to gauge the reactions of the your opponents. Um uh, did they make eye contact with you after this or anything? I know uh, you told me no, at one time they, they were kind of before the decision came down they were kind of smirking and laughing and looking over towards you, but I bet they weren't when oh, that decision was rendered were they Right, that was before court started actually, you know, uh, when the justice started the court and they were looking at point and saying that, you know, Sheila White sitting over yeah. there, you know, because I was sitting with, a, with yeah. a lot of law students that was yeah. begging me to sign their paper saying they knew they meant Sheila White. And I was trying <laughs> to pay attention, but yeah, so it was a great experience, you know, yeah. but um, I, uh, I felt, Marcy, that I was strong behind that I didn't let I kept on telling myself I am not gonna let them I'm standing my ground. And yes. I felt that that's what I did stood my ground. So I don't wish that on yes. anybody. You can't be weak. You got to be strong when you no. feel like that. Yeah. You can't be yeah. weak. So Sheila I, when I, you went I, to write your book. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. That's okay. <laughs> No, no, no. I was my just book. Gonna, yeah, your book. Um, uh, when did you start writing it? What did uh, were your what caused you to write it? I mean, I know you went through this ordeal, but this was traumatic and stressful. And you know, you put this book together, which I'll say I have a signed copy of. Thank you all very much. Hold the applause. <laughs> and but. Um, you wrote this book. Uh, you're, I told you you're one of my granddaughter's idols. She just thinks you're the last word and everything. And um, <laughs> But you you wrote this book. And what was the response to the book overall, Sheila? Overall, the response was great. It really was. Oh, wow. But what made me write that, 
Remember the first day, all of my documents? And yes. my father said, yes. all of that paperwork you got, you need to put it in a book form. And uh-huh. that's how I wrote that book. And we put uh-huh. my mom and my dad and me sat down and put that together because he said it was loose paperwork and I need to put it in a book form. So that's how yeah. that happened to become a book. And Barnes okay. & Noble was interested in it, and they put it on the shelf, and I had a book signing. So I started traveling. Uh, yeah, I started traveling, talking about my uh, book and everything until I started getting an engagement. With the EEOC uh-huh. in different states, Georgia is one of them. I went to uh-huh. State Bar and their um, summit to speak for the EEOC. I've been all over the state, even the employment national employment national employment lawyers conference in Boston. Uh-huh. So I've been pretty oh, wow. all over speaking about my story and my book. And Good one you. lady said, I need four books because I never heard of your case or your name. Oh, wow. But my case was breaking news the day I won. It was breaking uh-huh. news on national TV. Okay. On CNN Sheila, and everything. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. Go on. Yeah, we've got a caller here. Hang on a second. Area code 828, oh, okay. you have a question or comment for our guest? Good evening, Marty. Yes, hey, Sheila. I had a question. I, I'm coming on late, and I did not hear what's the title of your book. I'd like to purchase it. Fighting the Giant. All right. Thank By you very Sheila much. Sheila White. You're welcome. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Well, that was nice. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. There you go. And so, by the way, everybody who's yeah. listening, the book is available on Amazon. And on the PPJ Gazette, I have a direct link to the page on Amazon where you can purchase it. And it didn't show up on the show promo here. I don't know why. But it is available. But if you just, if you go to Amazon, just type in Sheila White and the title of the book, Fighting the Giant. It'll take you right to the page, tell you everything you want to know about it. And, um, but good. Yay. (laughs) That was nice. And, um, but Sheila... But okay, so you go through this horrendous job. You go through all these courts, mm-hmm. all the way to the Supreme mm-hmm. Court. You come out, you write your book. Sheila, what's your life been like since then? Where well, my life has been, I have relaxed a little bit, Good. but I still speak on my story. And I guess it'd never be over with because I see Burlington Northern trains or any kind of train or the whistle or whatever blowing. So it's a reminder. It's a reminder of something that will never go. So other than that, I'm kind of like sitting back just really relaxing. And whenever somebody needs me, I'm available. There you go. A lot of the whistleblowers I've talked to, and they're years out from, you know, the the whole incident and resolution to it, most of them never getting it. But um, they, they, many of them are so traumatized 
they've been retaliated against, they've been lied about, they've been threatened, um, harassed, bullied, and even when it when whatever the situation was comes to whatever end that it does, they mm-hmm. for years um, they're like war veterans, PTSD. Yes. Um, yes. They're nervous wrecks. Many of them, uh, you know, have uh, are in counseling trying to deal with it. Uh, and you're right, it never leaves. It's like any kind of abuse, which this was mm-hmm. gross abuse. And I'll tell yeah. you, you've got to have some backbone to stand up at a bunch of men while another man is dogging you because uh, most women would have turned tail and run. I don't know if I could have stood it. And I can be pretty obnoxious when I want to. But anyway, um, but, you know, it, but their life never seems to go on. It's, it's like it stopped at that point. And yeah. all of that trauma piled up against that point, and they can't get past it. Um, right. You have a great sense of humor, I know firsthand. Um, <laughs> you know, you can carry on a conversation. You, you're pleasant to talk to, funny, fun, and yet you went through this horrendously traumatic experience that was over an extended period of time. And mm. But I see this difference between you and other whistleblowers, and I do not mean that in a negative way. What I'm looking for is what helped you get through, what helped you overcome this, and try to get back some sense of normalcy to your life, because many of these people have not been able to. Yes, and I have ran across uh, some of them that's been traumatized. Um, every day I get phone calls or emails from different women in the trade field, uh, from mm-hmm. pipe fitters to, you know, iron workers and these are ladies that's having problems because they have heard about me or heard me speak, so they pass the word. So they actually, mm-hmm. and I've talked to, oh, Lord, over oh, hundreds of women. And I've had three to call me and thank me and send me a card saying thanks because they won their case. They were going oh, through wow. and didn't know how to proceed. And so I mm-hmm. helped guide them in the right yeah. direction because they don't realize that paperwork, that documentation paperwork, I, uh-huh. I could have been the lawyer. I laid out the whole foundation of that. But I wasn't a lawyer. Wow. I could have gone in and been my own lawyer. I'm just saying because I wow. laid it out yes. on a silver platter for him. He didn't have to do a whole wow. lot of nothing. Yeah. So I documented everything. And so it was laid out for him. Yeah, yeah, so it's important for yeah. people. You see, you're going to have a problem. Start documenting. Mm-hmm. My problem is well, that... when I... Go on, Marty. Go on. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Sheila. My problem is that it's so many I'm going through this sexual harassment and retaliation on the job. But it doesn't, like I said again, it doesn't help us when I turn on the TV and this governors or whoever pay that money out, hush money, I call it, pay them off yeah. instead of them like me going through the legal 
procedures. It might take a while, but have mm-hmm. all this stuff where all these women, they see, like I said, you get all these women, that's a fistful. You can help change mm-hmm. the laws. But as long as you're getting paid right. on the outside, that's not helping none. But it makes right. me angry because I had to fight nine and a half years when they don't have to fight. That's all they got to do is complain right. and get on national news and get paid millions. You know, to mm-hmm. shut up yes. a hush. So yep. I'm just telling the truth. We all need to come yeah. together and go through the legal procedure where it will be documented where they see it's a problem. And that's just not on yeah. sexual harassment. That's discrimination. Mm-hmm. You see what our Asians going through, discrimination and uh, harassment, you know, in the workplace. Mm-hmm. And it don't just have to be in the workplace neither. You know, like they made right. it law inside or outside the workplace. Yeah, mm-hmm. where you have problems. So we just need to fight well, hard. We need to come as a whole and start fighting for our rights. You know, where we get yeah. more attention. Because that's been going on for our born sexual harassment. Oh, we, yeah. You, and you know, it will go going on, on a long time. Yep. Yes. So yep. that's a hard one to really fight unless you're doing just like I said yeah. on national TV. Draw the attention, get paid, and go on. Yeah. yeah. So, well, you know, I um, they had that, uh, yeah, that uh, women's march. I wrote an article about it called the Vagina Rebellion, and I was yeah. absolutely humiliated when I saw a video of it of these women who had made costumes of vaginas that they were wearing. Yeah. And it, mm-hmm. I thought, for the love of God, please. And uh, I mean, it just made a joke out of the whole thing. And. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know that it accomplished anything anyway, uh, but the, then somebody came out and said, and we were on a radio show, and I can't remember if I was on with you or who it was, because it's been a few years back, and it said something mm-hmm. about, well, you know, a lot of women, you know, wish they'd get harassed in the workplace. I worked 50 years out there, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I have been cornered by foremen. I have been grabbed and felt up and had lewd remarks made mm-hmm. to me every woman i ever worked with did but we were told well mm-hmm. you just have to look past that you just have to take that mm-hmm. no you don't and um right. i had gotten fired it's the only job i was ever fired from for reporting mm-hmm. a supervisor mm-hmm. from making unwanted advances, and I told him to leave me alone. And he snatched me in the hallway the one day, and I shoved him in a utility closet. That was the end of that. Mm -hmm. But uh, Mm -hmm. uh, there isn't a woman out there, Sheila, that hasn't encountered this at one time or another. Uh, There is not a woman. I don't care. Big, tall, fat, small, uh, beautiful, ugly, I don't care. There is not a woman out there that has not encountered this. That has not That's been targeted right. by a male coworker, but it it just takes a very few of us like yourself to stand up and say, "Wait a minute, this isn't happening," and to call it out for what it is. But we've always viewed women as less than. We've always mm-hmm. viewed them as expendable and disposable, and everything you see. Uh, what what I keep trying to get a hold of, Sheila, is what was in these men's minds. 
Where did they come to think? How did they come to think? Who told them it was okay to think this was okay to treat you like this? And I would have liked to have been at Burlington Northwestern uh, Northern offices when this went down and you won in the Supreme Court because you know you had a bunch of men in there backslapping each other about how they were going to win the day and blah, blah, blah. This had to come as a terrible shock. Did you ever hear anything from them, like in a way of an apology or anything? No, ma'am. No, ma'am. The only thing EOC had to post for five years, they did to me. And, uh, you know, with the sexual harassment and retaliation and discrimination, which they had to post for five years, saying that they wouldn't tolerate that, you know, they kind of slightly changed their uh, format on the walls, on the buildings about EEOC right. and the workplace. And right. so, but they hadn't said nothing about my name. But uh, no, no. they, yeah, but uh, somebody said, Sheila White's name out there, they almost get me to get fired because they said, don't you mention her name. <laughs> They're not allowed to mention my name out there at Burlington Northern. Oh, and my, my union. When my union came in town, you know, I would call them. I said, you can come in town tomorrow or next week, whatever day they schedule for a hearing. And then I said, you know what the thing is? I do the talking, and if there's something I can't answer, you fall right in. So when they get up the plane mm-hmm. and come to the building that morning, we greeted you, and they said, Sheila, what have you done now? I said, doing my job. Oh, and you weren't supposed and to be we able to do there, that, were you, Sheila? Right. Yeah, go ahead. Uh-uh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, they yep. thought that I was something else, and they, they bagged me up 100% for the Good court. Good for them. Good for them. They sure did. Wow. Yes. I don't know. So, like uh, said, you know, and the thing is, go ahead. Mm-hmm. No, I was going to say, ahead, I just had a group of women from uh, Teamsters uh, want me to speak at their conference, a summit in Las wow. Vegas. And oh, you do it, girl. And I said, well, I can't do anything unless you go to the head and they have to invite me. You know, it's a group yeah. of women, you know, that want me, that's in these unions want me to speak. Mm-hmm. But, um, well, I, I, like I, I said, I do speak to Go yeah. on. I remember you speaking at the whistleblower's lunch, and you were a featured speaker there. Here, it'd be two years this July, and you got up and spoke uh, at that lunch. And I mean, that room was packed anyway. There's several hundred people there, and I remember when you were done speaking, you got a standing ovation, which I think you deserved uh, that and more. But the idea that people in that room understood exactly what you were saying, exactly what you had been through, what you had encountered, the battle you had to wage to get that win from the Supreme Court. And it was a recognition of everything you had been through and that you, you know, prevailed, that you came out the other Mm -hmm. end and that you were able to put two words together coherently afterwards because a lot of whistleblowers can't. Um, they're, They're so traumatized. They are so traumatized yeah. and so damaged and so injured. And something that upsets me, Sheila, is here we've got people coming out just like you and people coming out of federal agencies. This takes a tremendous amount of integrity, of character, 
uh, uh, strengthen mm-hmm. who you are as a person to come out and say, look, this or this or this is happening and it shouldn't be happening. And here's my proof of how they're doing it. And instead of going after the people that were doing the deed, people will turn mm-hmm. on the whistleblower. And I yes. don't understand that. Um, yes. These people, like I say, they aren't. They're not going to get anything out of this. This thing about oh, they're going to get millions of dollars. No, they're not. Wow. Uh, there might have been mm-hmm. whistleblowers here or there that got some cash, but for the most part, these people never see a dime. And when it's all said and done, the the retaliation goes on forever. They never let up. They can't get a job. Um, they can't right. keep a house. They, you know, their relationships fall. Continually harass and dog these people. Uh, to the ends of the earth. And the thing is, Mm -hmm. as taxpayers, we are paying for this. We are paying for them to do this. And I've tried to get this Mm -hmm. across Mm -hmm. to people, Mm -hmm. Sheila. These people are speaking for you. Not for, you know, there's nothing in this for them but misery. They're speaking up on your behalf. That here, the money you're paying in taxes or whatever is being wasted and squandered and abused and you're being defrauded out of what you were told this money would pay for. And instead of backing up these whistleblowers, you turn on them like a pack of pit vipers. Oh, well, they only did it for this. and Oh, they only did it for that. They don't see any of that that you think they're getting. They don't see that. Why? And uh, so, Why? you know, when somebody has the, has the integrity to step forward and do the right thing, which they're required by their job description to do. Um, Why? They need your support. You know, and I'm sure on your job too, Sheila, they had stuff written in their bylaws and everything else that if you see fraud, waste, or abuse, or discrimination, you should report it immediately, blah, blah, blah. But if you do, (laughs) won't be to you. You ain't going to have a job too long. But um, well, I repeated I mine. I, I let them know. I let okay. them know you wrote the rules, and you broke the rules. Falling by there your you. rules, you wrote in black and white in that book. Yes. Oh, they didn't like that. Yes. But I let them know. They wrote. Them. <laughs> I just followed them. They. <laughs> right. Right. There you go. Uh, if you don't like the policy, you have only yourself to blame. But I don't know. Well, our hour is up, Sheila, and I hate that because I could talk to you forever. Um, Again, everyone, Sheila's book is available at Amazon. It's called Fighting the Giant by Sheila White, and it is a history of what happened in this case and her eventual win at the Supreme Court. And when you read in words what this woman went through prior to that win – and why anybody is left with a job there at Burlington Northern, I'd like to know. And nobody did lose their job, did they, Sheila? No. Yeah. No. Nobody lost yeah. their job. Good old boys club. Nobody lost yeah. it. Yeah. Good old boys club kicked in. Yeah. And uh, I'm just, I don't know. But anyway, we will be back. And I think tomorrow night. Oh, <laughs> In the mix with Kaz and I, we'll be talking about stuff. And then Sunday night, Tanya's going to take off from it's Easter, so she won't be doing anything. And we'll be back Monday night with John LaCron and I. And then the week just goes from there, everybody. So sit tight, keep warm, 
it's freezing cold here. And we'll talk to you all later. Sheila, again, thank you so much for coming on. And thank you again. Yes, and we'll talk soon. A reminder, everyone, these shows are brought to you in coordination with Marcel Reed and the Whistleblower Summit, an annual event in Washington, D.C. this year from the 29th to the 31st of July, and it will be video again this year thanks to the scamdemic. Um, but hopefully we'll all get to meet in person one of these times. If if you ever attend a summit, it is quite the event. It's an eye-opener. The networking is unbelievable. And to be with that many people who are blowing the whistle on one topic or another is absolutely a mind-blower. Uh, a lot of resources, a lot of people to meet, connect with, network with, and learn what works and what didn't. But anyway... We will be back this next week. Everybody, have a nice and safe holiday, and we'll talk to you all later. Thank you, Sheila, and good night, everyone. Thank you. Good night.